Hello and welcome to the TTI Distribution Download, the podcast where we talk about all things happening in the world of electronic components with the specialists of TTI. And now, your host for the TTI Distribution Download, Paula Renfro. Welcome back to the TTI Distribution Download, and our returning guest today is Gabe Osorio, specialist with the TTI Transportation Business Unit. We like to call it the TBU. Thanks for coming back, Gabe. Yeah, thanks, Paula. Thanks for having me. I really enjoy talking transportation with you. You're so passionate about the technology and the possibilities in the market segment, and it's, it's contagious. Thank you. Yeah, it's there's a lot of exciting stuff happening, for there sure. There is, isn't there? Okay, so I know we have so much to talk about in this segment. Um, we're going to catch up on the state of our country's charging infrastructure and the, the new news, relatively new news around Tesla's NACS, yep. et cetera. But um, let's kick off with just what have you been up to in the, the couple months that since we talked to you last? What is new on the scene? Yeah, yeah. It seems like so much uh, every single day, something new out in the uh, in the marketplace. But one of the one of the really cool experiences I got to participate in in late June was a Formula E race in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and if you don't know, it's very similar to Formula One, uh, just with an all-electric vehicle platform, uh, obviously. So very exciting. Uh, really cool to see the technology that comes from uh, the Formula E race cars. Uh, you know, if you look five years ago, uh, even three years ago, it took two cars to finish almost 30 laps. Uh, and today it only takes one car uh, to finish those 30 laps. And what's really interesting and cool about that is the technology from inverters and batteries and the battery management system that goes into it and all of the testing and technology that those guys are uh, putting into and, and, and using for those race cars is really evident. And a lot of that technology ends up trickling down into uh, the consumer marketplace. So when you think about uh, all of the EV news for EV commercial cars or commercial vehicles, uh, automotive vehicles, you name it, a lot of it got its start Get from start this Formula E race. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and it's been around for about ten years, and it's and it's growing in popularity. Obviously, I think with Formula One popularity as well too. So, lots of that out there. Um, uh, you know, we've got some exciting participation, uh, or, or at least uh, uh, we're excited to start participating more with the ACT Expo as well, too. Yeah, I saw that the other day. Yeah, so if you haven't heard, it's uh, the uh, Advanced Clean Transportation is what ACT stands for. Uh, so a lot of uh, commercial vehicle-minded uh, OEMs and device manufacturers participate in uh, a week-long um, uh, essentially exposition, uh, you know, showcasing their product, but also a lot of education takes place uh, around the latest and greatest for design, uh, really with a fleet-minded focus, uh, okay. so really heavy on commercial vehicle, last-mile delivery, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's grown so much in the last 7 to 10 years, starting off from a small uh, you know, exposition center in, in Long Beach, California, and, and now moving to Las Vegas. Uh, you know, they've hit the big time and, and looking for a lot more space. Cool. So um, giving a shout out to the ACT Expo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the other things kind of just happening in the marketplace that I think are exciting is uh, you've seen some price reductions for uh, EV automobiles. So think Tesla's most notably, right? You've seen a lot of uh, re price reductions in the market. So a lot more adoption of vehicle, a lot more sales happening 
of those products, uh, along with other EV manufacturers, uh, or at least other EV platforms like the F-150, uh, some of the VW options, and uh, others out there as well. So again, I think that just goes to further help proliferate uh, EV vehicles in the marketplace uh, by reducing costs and making it a little bit more affordable uh, for uh, for customers, which is really exciting. And then along with that, EV sales this year uh, in North America are expected to grow over a million vehicles for the first time ever, uh, which is really exciting as well, too. So really kind of starting to put their stamp on uh, vehicle sales in the marketplace, which is So when you talk great. about, I'm sorry, backing up just a little bit to the F-150s, because of course we have a lot of those here yep. in Texas. This price decrease is this because our our supply is catching up a bit with demand and like, like more specifically for the the consumer minded out there also mm-hmm. is there a waiting list there used to be okay. i think as ford especially has ramped up production of that platform the the, the lightning or the f-150 lightning uh, it's become much more readily available supply chain has improved and eased it's still an issue out there certainly not fixed uh, but it has definitely become much more improved, and availability of the vehicles are much greater. And the focus and emphasis that these OEMs are placing on, you know, electrifying their entire fleet offering or product offering in the next 10 to 15 years, uh, it, you know, it goes a long way in showing that. And I think the reduction in cost along with that goes to speak to better availability of uh, uh, everything uh, from the supply chain, components, uh, the labor, um, you name it, all of it becoming much more readily available. Uh, and, and really, I think, again, trying to stimulate the demand for those EV vehicles as well, too, as part of that uh, strategy as well. And, and quite honestly, probably keeping up with Tesla and as the market leader in EV. In the same way, yep, yeah. Yep, and absolutely. So most of the, the F4, Ford... Ford 150 Lightnings, you think they're going into um, fleets? It makes uh, perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. probably right now, I would For say now. the bulk of those. But uh, certainly there's going to be an adoption by the regular, uh, you know, Joe Schmo consumer, mm-hmm. f- for lack of a better word. Big techs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's and it's not lost, right, either that you saw, it if you didn't see, the first uh, Tesla Cybertruck roll off the line in Austin, Texas this month. Uh, so coincidentally, Brand obviously. News. Yeah. So, so t- talk about that just a little bit. I know we're going to get into charging infrastructure, but I saw that also. And so, I mean, like, I have an idea of what's really cool about that, but technologically, what is cool about that? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. The the, the truck itself, if you've seen the truck, looks uh, not like a truck. It looks like a very futuristic uh, uh, vehicle Humvee, of some yeah. sort. Yeah, exactly. Uh, rugged and all of that. But what's really neat is the available features that are coming off of it, right? Uh, the ability to, much like the F-150 Lightning, to power your house in the event of a, a power failure or power outage. Uh, maybe something <laughs> that Texans might uh, appreciate, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> with all the heat. Um, but uh, certainly uh, uh, what it's going to spur is a lot of activity around the accessorizing that can happen with the truck as well, too. So think electric RVs uh, or, or towable RVs, I should say, uh, the campers that can come off of it. Uh, all of the exciting stuff uh, that Tesla is known for, certainly, as well, you know, self-driving, uh, the autonomous uh, portion of it, uh, and just all of the really neat technology and infrastructure that's inside of the uh, the truck itself is going to be fascinating. Yeah. We talked about battery uh, last time. I yeah. mean, we're talking about battery technology all the time, but the battery technology in this Cybertruck, mm-hmm. also leading edge, very advanced. It, 
big part of the value proposition? Should be. Is it Sh- its ability to carry more battery? No, no, I don't think it's the ability to carry more battery. I think, uh, you know, as we'll, we'll, I'm sure, get into later in our conversation, it's it's the charging ability of those batteries. How okay. quickly can the you recharge them? them. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So a lot of that comes down to not necessarily the battery makeup itself, but more the technology that, that is used to charge those batteries, uh, how quickly they can do that, um, and the power that they can then hold and turn into obviously range and uh, eliminate range anxiety for customers right yeah. right okay speaking of range anxiety let's let's talk yeah. about um, the current state of charging infrastructure we did talk about this um, last time and again uh, range anxiety and so so tell us where we are update us from the the last time we talked a couple months ago yeah it's funny it, it seems like that's going to be and continue to be probably the biggest um, biggest gating factor to broad scale EV adoption uh, when you think of uh, you know, I, I certainly have a lot of conversations, not even professional conversations, with uh, friends or family or other coworkers outside of work, that uh, you know ask questions about, hey, when are you going to buy an EV vehicle, or do you have an EV vehicle? And, and and the most common answer, or the literally the answer you get all the time, is when there's more charging available. Um, so that will certainly continue to be the biggest thing, but. The good news is we're making progress. And when you look at, obviously, the infrastructure bill that was passed, uh, there is a lot of language in there for investment on infrastructure. And we're seeing it, certainly, from uh, customers. Hopefully, you're starting to see chargers pop up at malls or grocery stores, apartment complexes, public uh, public places. And that's probably step one in the process. Step two is going to be how do they improve charging at your home, uh, you know, rather than your 120 volt or 220 volt plug outlet that takes, you know, eight to 10 hours to charge, uh, getting to that next step of fast charging that, uh, you know, that level two, level three charging that can get you, you know, the 15, 20, 30 minute charging that, uh, that might exist from say, uh, Tesla supercharger or level two charger out in the, uh, out in public spaces. So it's, we've got a long way to go. <laughs> uh, you know, when, People or experts talk about full-scale EV adoption. They they generally consider that to be about 40% of vehicles sold in the United States. So once we get to that point, that would be considered, you know, broad-scale adoption. In order to get there, (laughs) we need to quadruple or almost quintuple the amount of charging ports we have available uh, to, to the level of millions of chargers. And right now we're in the, you know, probably... 20,000 level three charger ports. Um, and I would say maybe about 126 to 130 K ports of level two charging. So we've got a long way to go to get to that point. And if you think of the makeup of our country, you know, uh, certainly cities and large metropolitan areas will be the first to come. But again, in order for this to work, you've got to think about your farmers in Iowa or Nebraska, where there's not a lot of metropolitan area, but still need access to that infrastructure. If we're going to talk about electric trucks, electric last mile delivery, electric agriculture vehicles, et cetera, right? So there's uh, still quite a bit uh, to, to, to accomplish from that perspective. But the good thing is there's funding that's coming, um, and we're seeing more uh, activity uh, around the building of those uh, charging infrastructures. And then you're seeing some really cool stuff, too, from companies like Nikola doing hydrogen. 
so the fuel cell technology that's a, that's that's coming for more Class A trucks, and they're developing kind of a uh, you know hydrogen uh, pipeline essentially of uh, available hydrogen fuel uh, uh, refill stations between Phoenix and Los Angeles for testing to see what can kind of be accomplished from that technology perspective and giving a little bit more range as opposed to your traditional hard to say traditional but to the to the standard of a plug-in uh type recharge as opposed to that fuel cell technology and if we get a little more uptake there then that relieves some of the pressure on sure just generally the electric the ev charging stations right i would think so yep so we have some funding mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. Um, as the funding comes through do we have the manufacturers for the capacity and the the component manufacturers for this capacity is there a technology um, um, i mean more in like a uh, a component type of a way sure um that we're going to have allocation that we're going to have a problem it, with getting it doesn't seem to be that there's anything new that would be an issue right or a problem child component uh much like the active chips or components right. that we've seen for the last what seems uh, like four or five years now but really it's probably only been two or three um those will still continue to be challenged um certainly because they do use them uh but the type of chips that are being used for infrastructure, um, not quite as advanced if you think about what's needed for, let's say, a vehicle or your cell phone or something along those lines. Uh, the, pr- the components that are going into those charging stations are much more focused on, obviously, power conversion and managing of the power that's going into it, uh, but also communication. Uh, so think more of uh, wireless communication because, uh, again, charging stations are uh, certainly ports for charging, but they're also data collection uh, devices as well, too. So uh, a, lot of, uh, uh, a lot of communication type uh, components will be needed for that as well, too, along with standard um, uh, electrical components that you would see in any kind of electrical box per se that might be out there from an industrial perspective. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, yeah. it does. It makes yeah. perfect sense. <clears throat> so not to worry. So more mass produced. Um, it a little seems less like expensive, y- but there's technology yes. there. But there's probably a lot of software technology, there that is. sort of thing. Also, Absolutely, right? So yep. a lot of yeah, communication mm-hmm. that way. Um, okay, so we're so we're behind mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, how are we behind? <laughs> um, we're just not enabling. Do we have enough manufacturers to enable the kind of growth that we we can now produce the automobiles? Now the the public is beginning and commercial, beginning to buy them. Yeah. Yes. Um, And I think more are coming. Um, So you see companies out there like Electrify America uh, that if if you're unfamiliar with Electrify America, that came about from the settlement that was reached with uh, Volkswagen. Uh, about probably seven to ten years ago now at this point uh, in relating to their kind of EPA scandal with diesel engines uh, that they had. So they're fine per se, went into creating Electrify America, which is now all about uh, charging infrastructure and uh, green vehicles, uh, or at least alternative energy vehicles. Uh, So a lot of investment happening by Electrify America uh, and other consortiums that are getting out there to uh, expand access to charging stations, uh, which is really good. Um, I think we're going to start to see the next level, you know, for the federal government has obviously funded a certain level of, of the expansion from an infrastructure perspective. But I think the next level that we're going to start to see is more localized planning, uh, even down to municipality level, right? Uh, you know, towns, cities, counties, 
uh, states are going to have to put um, uh, a strategy and an infrastructure funding uh, or, uh, you know, in, in whatever format that looks like, whether it's rebates or incentives to help kind of fund and further along the expansion of those infrastructure uh, charging stations um, will be coming. Including the NAFTA component in that. Comment. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so funding is definitely going to be the name of the game. You know, the infrastructure bill is a great start, but I still think there's uh, quite a bit more that's going to have to happen from that perspective outside of private investment, um, you know, from a, from a mall or from an apartment complex or something like that, putting those chargers in. So um and then from your point, the product perspective is really interesting because uh, as we start to look at that infrastructure bill, a lot of the requirements that are in there are driven on a lot of the components being sourced here in North America or from NAFTA, uh, you know, Canada, uh, uh, Canada, Mexico, and the United States. So uh, suppliers, I think, not that they were caught off guard by that, uh, but obviously haven't had the infrastructure in place to produce or to make or to finish goods here in North America that had existed previously. A lot of that was sent overseas, obviously, and we are seeing a, a big onshoring uh, drive right now, especially to Mexico and, and even to the U.S. So when we talk to suppliers about the products that they have for charging stations, they all are aware of it. They all have plans for it, it seems like, but we're still probably one to maybe two years tops away from uh, there being plentiful options of products that are manufactured here in the, in the U.S., but, but they are coming, uh, and they're very aware of that. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, long story or big, you know, Big picture here, government definitely going to play a role in the expansion, um, and I think it needs to, uh, but uh, but certainly a lot of private investment is going to come from that as well, too. So, so yeah, so yeah. let's talk about that. I, I've been reading recently that there's trouble bubbling in the EV startups, and then I didn't really mean to, like, tie that to dot-com bubble, but really it's mm -hmm. sort of the same thing, right, with mm -hmm. the SPACs and stuff. So what is going on? Consolidation, acquisition? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think SPACs were certainly the the hot thing to do a, a few years ago, and, and many companies like Lucid and a lot of other startup EV uh, OEMs certainly followed that path to quickly get to the public marketplace. Uh, and what you're finding is that those companies are realizing just how difficult it is to not only design a, a vehicle from the ground up, uh, but then be able to build that vehicle. And one of the, you know, one uh, a, a key example of that is Lordstown Motors. Uh, you know, I, I live in Cleveland, so that's been in our backyard. And watching that story unfold, uh, you know, from the exciting release of the product to the struggles and financial struggles involved with it uh, is, non, is one that's not uh, unique to just Lordstown. Uh, you know, think uh, Workhorse, uh, Lucid, certainly, maybe not to the degree of Lordstown, but uh, finding difficulty in ramping up that production of those vehicles and then ultimately, quite honestly, finding a market for those vehicles. You know, Lordstown really kind of pigeonholed themselves into building a truck for the fleet market very specifically and not necessarily going after broader uh, audience or, or customer base uh, of just the normal consumer of a truck um, where F-150s uh, and Ford were able to step in very quickly, ramp up a production because the infrastructure existed, the funding existed, right? Big, deep pockets to be able to do all of that and the relationship with fleets to be able to then say, 
we can also sell you that electric one to go along with that, you know, internal combustion engine truck that you're buying from yeah, us as well, too. trusted partner already. Yeah, exactly. So I think a lot of the EV OEMs will, uh, are going to go through kind of this lull, right? There's the excitement of the product release and, and new to the market and that kind of thing. And then from there, it kind of starts to weed out into who can really make it, who has the right IP, who has the right funding, maybe partnership as well. Um, and uh, it's going to be we'll probably not seeing the first of the casualties. I'm sure there'll be some more coming. Um, but uh, it, there's also the possibility, I'm sure, of uh, acquisitions, uh, you know, bringing in that technology or IP into a bigger OEM uh, that wants to go acquire that technology that's been, uh, you know, so far produced. Uh, you see it happening quite a bit with uh, some of the small battery pack manufacturers. I think of Romeo Power was one out in uh, California that was recently acquired uh, by Nikola, and ultimately, basically, they just absorbed the technology and kind of dissolved the company. So it's there will be more of that, and it's going to be kind of a, a hard landscape for many of those startups as they go through it. But I think they rush to get those companies on the public trading space was uh, done a little bit in haste, um, as, as many people were skeptical of, uh, and, and rightfully so. So, and, and speaking of the battery, so that was going to be my next question. It's not just the people that, um, were, were trying to build or hoping to build, um, vehicles from the ground up. It is the third party assembly people with new technology. It, it really goes throughout the industry at this time. We'll have to watch for those reliable and definitely, yeah, yeah the, all those devices that go into that that vehicle, right? The the Are IP that's owned by yeah. the the battery manufacturers, the inverters, the you know DC to DC converter, a, any any of the devices involved in a hybrid or not even hybrid. I'm sorry, an electric vehicle uh, you know system. Uh, could be a potential risk. Yeah, yeah absolutely. L- yep. Lots of components there. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about Tesla. Who doesn't like to talk about Tesla? Um, <laughs> yeah. But but fill us in on on the adoption now. Or the it, is it a foregone conclusion? I mean, it is kind of right. All pretty the big much. guys have said we're going in ACS. Pretty much. Pretty much. There's a few holdouts. Um, but uh, and I was as a matter of fact, I was just reading about it this morning. Um, Volkswagen is one of the bigger automotive manufacturers uh, by volume out there that have yet to adopt it uh, formally. Uh, I can guarantee you they are uh, evaluating it and most likely from the articles I've been reading this morning are likely to follow suit as well too. Uh, And Toyota is kind of the last holdout, uh, but Toyota tends to do things on their own and uh, on their own time anyway. Um, So not surprising there. Um, But yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, You know, you saw the the most recent news first was GM obviously to announce uh, that kind of took the market by storm, I would say, and certainly was surprising. When you look at the NACS standard from Tesla, uh, you know, you think of those charging couplers, they're, they're usually pretty big and pretty kind of bulky, a little heavy, a little hard to use, not very ergonomic for the, for the day-to-day user. Uh, and, and what Tesla's design has done is it's, it's very ergonomic. It's much smaller than, uh, say, like the CCS1 standard or two standards that you see for level two charging, which, you know, again, are those larger sized uh, chargers. And um, uh, they, they have the ability to charge significantly quicker uh, than some of those standards as well, too, again, based on the IP involved with the battery management system and some of the other technology involved there as well. So uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people are very much under the radar. Uh, late last year, Tesla open sourced that standard. 
uh, and made it Mostly available. Mostly passenger vehicles? Yes, okay. correct. Okay. Great point. Yes. And it has been primarily passenger vehicles that have sent. I'm not sure what, and it is still remains to be seen, what the Tesla uh, Class 8 truck will have from a charging standard. But yes, it does seem to be right now just automotive vehicles or light-duty trucks, that kind of thing. Um, but when they open source that technology, not a lot of people made a big deal about it, uh, that or that standard, I should say, not technology. And then when GM obviously announced, uh, I think it really caught especially suppliers off guard. Uh, not a lot of suppliers of the actual, you know, charging cable assemblies and the terminals and everything else that's involved in making these uh, were prepared for these large OEMs to jump on ship. Um, so, you know, you saw GM, then it was Ford, then it was Rivian and Volvo, now Polestar, Nissan, and like I said, VW. So it seems like just about every single major uh, automotive manufacturer jumping onto the NACS standard, which ultimately I think is actually a good thing. It's a good thing it for is. the consumer. It is, it? and yes. it's going to make it more available for more charging. And again, as we talked about earlier, expanding the network. Infrastructure can grow faster. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, and if it's a better, uh, more efficient, um, uh, easier-to-use standard, then absolutely that should be the standard that, that continues to, to expand faster. But there still will be a place for the, I'm going to call it the old standard, but for the CCS1 standard or the J1772 standard, which was the original standard, um, uh, for commercial vehicle use. I, re I really do think that you'll see that stick around for last mile delivery trucks, uh, Class 8 vehicles, uh, you know, and, and even into the agriculture, mining, off-highway applications uh, because of the uh, infrastructure that's already in place for them. Uh, but also it seems to be a standard that is uh, more beneficial for that type of uh, charging. Technology-wise. Exactly, yeah. as opposed to, you, you know, your more. everyday use uh, for an automobile or a, a light-duty truck or something like that. So it, it is very exciting, um, and, and, and I'm sure we're not done seeing all the news that's going to come out of it um, over the course of, uh, you know, the next year or so as, as suppliers uh, really start to scramble to get product offerings out there for it, which – uh, is good. So. It is good. Yeah, yeah. I want to thank our listeners for plugging in with us today. And if you have some time, um, press play on our next episode where we're going to be joined by TTI opto specialist Roland Chapa. He's going to join um, Gabe and I here in the studio, and we're going to talk about optoelectronics and transportation. That's it for this episode of the TTI Distribution Download. For more information on any of the topics you heard about today, reach out to your nearby TTI branch at 1-800-CALL-TTI or visit us online at tti.com.